Sit for one second. <clears throat> Are you happy this morning? Yes. Uh, we appreciate the music, the song testimonies that came through here. Amen. Um, I thought Sister Sapan was going to sing. What happened? All right. Amen. God bless you. So we appreciate the Lord for everything. Amen. Now, I, I, I had a meeting with Pastor Abraham Matlangu uh, because I just wanted to understand a few things, but he made me understand what I did not understand. Amen. And then we, because whenever people move from a place to a place, there must be a pastoral discussion. Is, is it so? Uh, you, you will know. <coughs> Excuse me. With me, if you leave a phone where you are going, uh, and if you are a good guy, I will tell them that you are a good guy. And if you are not a good guy, I will tell them that he's not a good guy. Amen. Uh, I will be very honest. 
Amen. Now, even when a person comes, I phone where they come from. Uh, I say, is he a good guy or not a good guy? And then if they can say he's not a good guy, then I chase them back to go where they come from. Amen. Because if you don't do a background check, your church can become a scrapyard. Um, and so you've got to be vigilant. So that's what I normally do. So I, we had quite a lengthy chat uh, because few of his people came this side. So I wanted to understand, but he made me understand. Amen. Uh, and then we've got Brother Mdau here with his wife and family. Where's the family? If you can stand, my brother. Amen. So, so they will be worshipping with you here. Uh, their pastor has given them a clearance. Amen. God bless you. So, God bless you. You are welcome. Amen. Uh, we we can't stop people from coming. We can't stop people from leaving. Amen. 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 That's how it works. So, but the one thing for sure, pastors must talk. Amen. Amen. So that we should not break fellowship unnecessary. So, the pastor said, no problem. After we have had several interactions. Amen. Shall we stand to our feet? Amen. Let's, God bless you. You have sung is enough. It was wonderful. Let's just go to the reading of the weight. Amen. Let's read from Genesis, the 24th chapter. Genesis, the 24th chapter. The 12th verse. Genesis. Or in Zimbabwe we say Genesis. Uh, Amen. Now. It written this man if it is found. He said. O Lord God of my master Abraham. I pray thee, I pray thee, send me good speed this day. Send me good speed this day. And show kindness unto my master Abraham. And show kindness unto my master Abraham. Verse 18. Behold, I stand here by the well of water. Behold, I and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass, come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher. I pray thee. That I, may drink. that I may drink, and she shall say, and she shall say drink. drink, and I will give thy camels drink also, and I will give thy drink also. 
let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. Amen. The bright thing there. And what is the way the bright thing is? Amen. Are you able to see there? And there? Oh, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. Let's go to verse 55. Same chapter, verse 55. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel, or maybe from verse 50, brother, I just need 50. I'll be jumping a few. Just scroll back to 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Verse 55, scroll down there. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days. At the least ten, after that she shall go. Verse 60. And, or verse 60, 59, go back. Go back to 58. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, Will thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent, and they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions. Let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. As we bow heads, gracious Heavenly Father, this morning once again we thank you, dear God, for the health that we have. And if there is anyone sick in the building, we are sending the healing power in the name of Jesus Christ to their troubled bodies. You are a healer, dear God. You are a savior. You are a problem solver. There is nothing that is beyond you. You do the miraculous. That's what you specialize in. This morning we can report any issue that overwhelms us to you and lay it at the feet of Jesus. You know, once we have committed to you, you will undertake for us. There is no need to stress over it. There is no need to be overwhelmed by it. It has been reported to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
he will handle it in the manner that he sees fit. Dear God, I'm reporting for duty this morning. Help me, dear God, that whatever I'm going to say, let it be what would be inspired by the Holy Spirit. There should never be humanly ulterior motive. It must be God's supernatural move. Here are your people, dear God. Speak to them, shape them, and mold them in the manner that you see fit. There's never been a time where a clay would speak back to the potter. The potter would shape the clay in any manner that he sees fit. This morning we are the clay, thou art the potter. And dear God, shape us and mold us in any manner that you see fit. If there are some rough edges, deal with those rough edges. Whatever is there that is not needed, deal with it, dear God. And whatever is there that is good, dear God, amplify it. That the world indeed should see that we are thy disciples. Lord, above everything, help us to love one another. Help us, dear God, to have tolerance towards one another. Help us to advise one another and move in the unity of faith. Satan hates unity. You love unity. Those that love you love unity. That is why the scripture says how good it is for the brethren to dwell together. And here we are dwelling together to fellowship around the way. Be a blessing this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask. Amen. While you take your seats, Amen. Are you happy this morning? Amen. God is good. And all the time. Amen. God has never disappointed us in any way. Uh, and then some trials, he allows them to come to shape us. But like a, an eagle that will lift up the eaglet up in the sky and observe how it would try to attempt to handle the, the tide or the, the storm, then when it struggles, it comes back to lift it up and take it up higher again because that is the eagle's training ground. Even as God sometimes takes us to a training ground. Amen. A car can never be roadworthy unless it has been tested. A believer can never be spiritually worthy unless they have been tested. And the test that you come across, they reveal the level of confidence that the Lord God has in you. You can never give uh, Brother Andrew the non-mathematician test, a mathematical test. You are looking for the brilliant mathematic students so that you can test them based on the mathematical standards. Amen. So if you bring a mathematic test in a geography class, you are a very unfair teacher. So the Lord will never do that. Every trial has got your name. And behind that trial, there is a victory with your name. Just hang in there. At the right time, God is going to do something. Now, let's see. I want to speak about the chosen bride this morning. The chosen bride. That's what we want to speak about this morning. Amen. 
I believe in the building we've got some chosen brides and some yet to be chosen brides. Amen. And then we have the chosen husbands as well because as much as he chooses, you must choose. Ah, do you believe it? Amen. If a sister says no, she's not a demon. She's exercising a scriptural right. Can I get an amen from brothers? Amen. Amen. Uh, now, I want to speak on a chosen bride because I believe even spiritually speaking, we are a chosen bride. Uh, when you go in different cultures, you find, uh, especially, I don't know, Sister Beryl will know, in the Indian culture, they would have a dot that they put on the forehead. What do they call that? They just call it a dot. All right. I thought it should sound deeper. <laughs> Amen. So it is what it is, a dot. It, it, does it signify that a, a woman is married? Amen. Now, a woman that would have, in that culture, a woman that would have a dot, there is a, a certain behavioral or, or behavior that is expected from here than the one that is without a dot. Amen. A married woman behaves differently uh, from an unmarried woman. Amen. A married man has got expectations of how his wife should be. Uh, it, uh, the moment, uh, is it? For, are you still believing in the all-time religion? Amen. Amen. A husband has got expectations that I would want my wife to be in this way. And then as well as the wife would expect that my husband, I would expect him to be this way. Now, uh, the tragedy is we live during a time where married people behave like single people. And single people behave like married people. That is the confusion of our time. Amen. The scripture, I will come to that because the, the greatest tragedy uh, that I believe it is inhuman and unacceptable, uh, I don't care what it is, I believe that every man, every man has a right to choose his own wife. Uh, there, there is no pastor, no deacon, no elder that has got a right to say, brother, I think you should marry that one. Uh, if that happens, there is a wrong spirit upon the pastor. Amen. Uh, did you hear me? It may be that he wants to marry her. Is that that he's already married? Now he's choosing partners for young men. That's unacceptable. A man has to choose. A young lady has to choose. Amen. Why? Because once you have done the choosing, you have to stick to the... To the your choice is going to have pleasures and it will have consequences. Or the, your choice is going to have pleasurable consequences and as well as pain that will go with it. Now, if it was not your choice and you come under immense pressure, then you are going to turn around and say, uh, it wasn't me, it was the pastor... 
It wasn't me. It was a deacon. But we want when the pressure comes, because uh, let me tell you something. You can look at the married people looking very elegant this morning. Every marriage has got challenges. Uh, Hallelujah. Every marriage has challenges. If somebody can tell you that we are happy all the time, they are lying to you. Amen. Every, I said every marriage. I've, uh, I've picked up that a lot of times brothers, uh, you know that Brother Mutlaib would know, men are dying at a fast rate because they avoid going to the doctor. Women, as soon as they feel pain, they rush to the doctor. But by the time a man is brought before the doctor, you must know that things are really bad. And that is why men are, are dying. It's not because women are causing your death. It's because you are not responsible for your health. Amen. You want to be Michael. The pain is there. You know that you are struggling, but you cannot go to the doctor. Uh, are you still with me? Now, uh, men by nature, they are unable to look for help. They, they want to depend that I can provide and find help to show that I am a man. That is the nature of a man. That's why suicide rate is higher among men than in women because men bottle up stuff. Uh, if you want to, uh, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, sister, let him be lost and ask him to ask for directions. Ah, see, let's stop here. We are lost. Let's ask. The, the tension that will be in that car. Amen. The only time when a man stops to ask for direction is when he realizes that I've burned enough fuel. So he, then he's got to make a plan that look, uh, it looks like things are tougher. Are, are you still with me? Even meritally speaking, a lot of men uh, is the first one to say, don't ever tell the pastor. Don't ever tell the pastor. It's not women saying that. It's, hallelujah. It's men that say that. Now, the only time when the poor pastor will know is when the problem is bigger. And I guess they say, how long has this been going on? They say, ah, it has been like this for five years. Then the pastor realized that ah, for five years you've been there uh, why didn't you tell me? He told me that I must never tell you anything. I'm preaching here. Amen. Amen. Now, when you have a pastor, when you have a pastor, that's why you have to choose a pastor. Not everyone deserves to be your pastor. It has to be your choice. You have to be deliberate and say, this is men that I choose to be a pastor. And if you don't trust the man, never make him your pastor. Amen. Even if it is Brother Madi. Amen. Amen. Because your pastor has to know what you are going through and has got to help in terms of what you are going through. Are you still with me? I, I'm going to preach. I know you'll be in deep thought, but I will be preaching. Now, in the message, the choosing of a bride, the choosing of a bride, I think we know it is the only message that he ever preached, paragraph 31. In that message, he says, in many things of life, 
we are given a choice. How many agree with that? The way of life itself is a choice. Do we agree? The way of life itself is a choice. We have a right to make our way, uh, choose our own way that we want to live. Education is a choice. We can choose whether we are going to be educated or whether we are not going to be educated. That's a choice that we have. Right and wrong is a choice. Every man, every woman, boy and girl has to choose whether they are going to try to live right or not live right. It's a choice. Choice is a great thing. So that means if somebody, you cannot ever say, I am forced by circumstances. How you live, it is your choice. But we live during a time where people don't want to take responsibility for their choices. Some young person is living a certain life, he blames the parents. Some person is living a certain life, he blames the pastor or deacons uh, or community. Even today, they even blame the government. No one, very few people are willing to take responsibility for their choices. You are responsible for your choices. How you live, you are going to choose whether am I going to live right or am I not going to live right. It is your choice. It is your personal choice. Are you still with me? He carries on, he says, your eternal destination is a choice. Hallelujah. Where you will spend eternity, it is a choice. Some of you, you would make that choice this morning. Uh, Some of you, you have already made that choice. But it is your choice. He doesn't say it's God's choice. It is your choice. Are you still with me? Uh, And uh, folks, there are good choices and there are bad choices. And how would you know that something is a good choice or a bad choice? Uh, A lot of times, you as a human being, you are thinking, no matter how many degrees they have been conferred on you, your thinking is limited. Your thinking is limited. You have never lived, what is the day today? 27. You have never lived in 28th of October, 2019. You have never, you've got no experience of it at all. You can think what it will be, but you don't know what it will be. The only person that has looked into the future, that knows the future in the current time, even your Songoma does not know. He may die before that time. But there is only one person that knows, is the Lord himself. So if I were you, it would be very prudent that when you make a choice, you first check with God. But we live during a time where people no longer go on their knees and say, God, what do you think about this situation? What do you think of this path? We live during a time where people are quite enthusiastic. Uh, because of little Google research, they jump into conclusion and say, I can do it. Wait a minute. Check with God. God is bigger than Google. Yeah. Hallelujah. Google is just a portal that, is, that has got input of men. It can never predict the future. Even the weathermen today is struggling to predict the future. Last week they said there will be a heat wave. And what happened? It was raining. 
The other time they thought it was going to rain, then there was a heat wave. Because why? A human being can never predict the future. He can attempt, but he will never have the precision. But if God says something is going to happen on such and such day, on such and such a minute, you can be sure that it will happen exactly according to the way he has spoken. So I'm simply saying, let us go back and have confidence in God, in him helping us to make our choices. Are you still with me? Now in the message, I'm still in that message, paragraph 35. Then he says, there is another choice that we have in life. That's a life's companion. Hallelujah. Uh, Blessed are those that have chosen for themselves. And those that the parents have chosen for them, you need grace. And those that pastors have chosen for them, you even need more grace. Uh, But blessed are those that have made their own choices. This one I'm not going to be apologetic. No pastor must never choose a partner for you. That one I will never even backtrack even one inch. He can advise, but he must never choose. It will be a spiritual tragedy if he does that. It has to be your own choice. It has to be chosen from within. Because that person is going to be your partner. And that person has got to be recognized by your system. If a party goes into the body and the body does not recognize the part, the immune system will attack that part. A lot of times there are attacks in marriages because a partner, his system does not recognize the other partner because it was never their choice. I expect amen there. I know somebody says, wait a minute, but Rebecca was chosen. There is God's frequency by prayer. God was involved. Amen. It was not just a Malume uncle and say, go and get a wife for me. Was a, the father was a spiritual man operating under God. Found a spiritual servant, Eliezer. And Eliezer consulted with God. And Rebecca consulted with God. It was God throughout the process. Amen. So if you ever replace Eliezer with your uncle, you're going to be in trouble. Now, there is another choice that we have in life that's a life's companion. A young man or a young woman stepping out on life. Let me, let me make a very controversial statement. And uh, I will stick by it. When, when a brother goes out and falls from grace and finds a girl and for whatever act that they commit that is unscriptural and a child is born out of that act the existence of the child it is not the compulsory grounds that there must be marriage I'm preaching you. I didn't hear me. I never said he must disown the child. He must be responsible for the child. But the existence of the child has never been a requirement for marriage. 
did you hear me? Why, why, am I, why am I shaking that table? The reason I'm doing that is because most marriages are under strain because they were based on wrong requirements. The requirements is still the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It does not mean you're right. You still need to repent and come back repentfully and remorsefully. But after you have done that, you are responsible for the consequences of your decisions. But one wrong decision should never lead you to another wrong decision. Amen. If you want to take it up with me, I'm available in my office after church. Now, a young man or a young woman stepping out on life has been given a right to make a choice. The young man chooses. The young woman has a right to accept or reject it. Sister, the deep calleth to the deep. And if there is a deep calling, there's got to be the deep to respond. If he had a dream and you did not have a dream, it is his dream. Hallelujah. If he saw a vision and you never saw a vision, his vision does not become your vision. You, you as well have the right to access God as much as he claims to have accessed God. If God showed him that you are the one, God must as well show you that he is the one. And if he has not shown you, you've got a right to say, it is still one-sided, my brother. Let's wait until it becomes two-sided. Because if you walk into it while it is one-sided, you're going to have problems in life. The young woman has a right to accept or reject. I, I thought, I came into the message around, must have been 10 years old, somewhere there. And as I grew up, I thought we are the children of God. Amen. We are all going to heaven. We all have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I thought as a young man, any woman that I wanted to marry, if she's really a child of God, the child of God would never say no. <laughs> but later I realized that she can be full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the same Holy Ghost can help her to say no. And it doesn't mean that I'm, not less, I'm less of a believer. I can still be as believer in every fiber of my body, but the Holy Ghost will still say no. I'm teaching our young men to be able to accept rejection. Amen. The, the young woman has a right to accept or reject but it's still a choice on both sides. Both men and women, they have a right to choice. You have a choice as a Christian. Are you still with me? You have a choice as a Christian. So that means you have a choice to say nay or yea. Now, 
In paragraph 37, the same message, there's just few extracts from this message. He says, you have also a choice. When you choose this church, you can choose whether you in this church, whether you will choose a church that will guide you to your eternal destination. As much as you've got a right for a choice meritally, you have a choice as well as in terms of a church. Now, my greatest desire is that no one at no point in time in this church should ever come and worship here under cohesion. It must be a choice that I fellowship at Lighthouse because I believe what is being preached there is shaping me towards my destination. And if you feel it does not shape you towards your destination, you have a right to exercise your choice. It is your soul. It is not, you are personally accountable for your salvation. The pastor deacons are not accountable. That is why, let's continue with it. He says, you can choose a church that has a certain creed that you might think that creed is just what you want or the other church has their creed. Then there is the word of God. You have a choice of, you have to make the choice. There is an unwritten law among us of choosing. Are you still with me? That is why I've heard, I think it was Brother Mpanyano was telling me the other time, I, I used to have a car insurance and I, I had been with insurance for a number of years. So I thought I was quite a loyal member, a loyal client. So I did not know that you can never be loyal to an insurance company. Hallelujah. It must be loyal to you. So every year you must review and say, uh, you are going to increase your premium. I'm not happy with that. I'm jumping ship. Give me a revised offer. So every year they were just increasing and I thought, hey, me and these guys are having a good relationship. Later on, then I jumped onto Auto General. Then I found that I almost paid almost... 30% 30% less than what I used to pay on the other insurance. But what I realized is that it is because I never reviewed my relationship with my insurance. And I wonder how many people in time, if you have chosen a place of worship, has it ever occurred to you to review? Is this place shaping my destiny? Is this place, place propelling me towards heaven? And if it is, you've got to do that introspection. And how do you judge it? You look at the results in your life. Look at the results in your children's life. Then from there, make an informed decision. Are you still with me? This year, I'm putting myself in the spotlight as a pastor as well, if you understand what I'm talking about. Everyone must be put under that spotlight. Am I going towards the right direction? Is this what is being taught here? Feeding my soul. You don't, look, you, you, don't, you don't worship because the church is next to your house. You worship because the church is feeding you something that takes you to heaven. Amen. Amen. 
Are you still with me? In the message, paragraph 49, this message is just full of golden nuggets. Now he says, we find that if a man prayed and a woman prayed over the matter, folks, we, we are experiencing divorce rates, not in the world anymore, Amen. but even in message ranks. Amen. I'll repeat, we had ex- in the, when we grew up, it was a taboo for a divorce to be had in the message cycles. But it seems like today it is becoming a norm. The abnormal has become a norm. Until such time that if one divorces, other people that are still married, they admire the one that has divorced. And say, we admire you. Because we live during a time, as soon as divorces finally, they go on social media, finally free. And others that are still married, they say, we wish we could be like you. But they don't have the guts. But I've got a question this morning. And I want to speak about it hypothetically. And hear me out and do not misinterpret me. I want to speak hypothetically. If an angel Gabriel was to come out of heaven and say today, the 27th of October, we have made a resolution in heaven that marriage is no longer recognized. And if you are married, you are free. And thereafter, after five days, he comes and says, there's just been a communication error. We are back. The marriage is recognized. But because it is our fault, you are free either to go back to your own partner or look for a new partner because it is our fault. How many of you will return back to your original houses? I'm asking. And look at me. Don't look at your wives and husbands. Look at me. Don't raise your hands. It's fine. God knows your heart. Did you hear me? I don't say, don't go around and say, Brother Mariba said, I said the operative weight, it was hypothetical. But the intention is to test whether your decision that you have made are you content with that decision that even what come what may, I will still stick to my decision? Are you still with me? Now, he says, we find that if a man prayed and a woman prayed over the matter, not just a pretty set of eyes or big shoulders, Because some people are marrying steroids instead of marrying character. Muscles is just steroids. You can consume much protein, brother, and have muscles. Then you marry that. You think that you marry muscles. Will they last you for the rest of your life? I'm not interested in her shape or his shape. 
I'm interested in the shape of their hearts in relation to God. She can be shaped but have a deformed heart. He can be shaped and have a deformed heart. Not just look at a pretty set of eyes or big shoulders or such as that or some other worldly affection. But would look first to would first look for and say, God, is this your plan? Hallelujah. He comes with broad shoulders and he speaks melodically. But after you have enjoyed the sound of his voice, after you have enjoyed her sight, you still need to go to and ask God, is this is this your plan? A lot of times we start our plans and we invite God into our plans. Let me, God is not going to leave his plan for your plans. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. It is your responsibility to seek the thought of God first. It is your responsibility to seek the plan of God. And bring yourself into the plan of God. And how do you know the plan of God? The word of God will tell you and teach you what is the plan of God. Let me say this. Are you still with me? God is not going to adjust his plan to fit you. You must adjust yourself to fit God's plan. Are you still with me? Now, in the message, the same message, paragraph 51. It says, and if we study what we, are going, what we are doing when we are going to get married, when we choose our wife, these things are still on the natural, but the natural types, the spiritual. That's why when we say a man has to choose and look for character, Jesus is not going to come and look for a church with a better PA system. He is not going to come and look for a church with huge screens. He is looking for character. He is looking at how do you react towards his weight. Tell me, folks, at the beginning, and that's why I said the best time to teach your wife how to drive is when you are still in courtship. Because when you are married, it is very difficult. Now, because why? When you are still have met each other, your, 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 your tolerance threshold is high. You, you, look, if, if, if you are still approaching a woman and you have got intention to marry her and she breaks your spectacles, you are going to say, I was even thinking of changing them. But if she breaks the spectacles five years into marriage, where were you looking? I'm preaching here, folks. If she bombs your car while you are still in the process of getting married, you say, don't worry, it's just an old car. But after a few marriages, how do you drive?
I can, I'm bringing, let me bring it to your doorstep. If my wife can go into another brother's house and breaks a glass, his favorite glass, the brother will say, so don't worry, Sister Madiba, I'll live in clean. But when it is his wife and they are alone, it's a different matter. And I've got a question, who are you when no one is around? Who are you when no one is around? Uh, me, folks, I'm not impressed with a man that hugs the wife and calls my wife lovey-dovey. That's public show. What matters is when no one is looking, who are you? We, we live during a time where they can post on social media. Well, she has received a beating at night. Who are sisters? It, 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 it goes for you as well. Who are you? I saw a cartoon. In the cartoon, the, or there's a brother that told me about it. A woman is busy shouting at her husband. And as she's busy shouting, a mice came out of nowhere. Then she jumped onto the chair and said to the husband, why are you still looking at me? Kill that mouse. Then he went to kill that mouse. After he killed the mouse, the wife got off the chair and said, let me continue where we left off. (laughs) Her temper is not strong enough to kill a mouse. And if we would study what we are doing when we are going to get married, when we choose our wife, our husband, we would study it over. A man should pray earnestly for he could ruin his entire life. I've seen potential young ministers that could have been great assets in the kingdom of God ruining their lives when it comes to marriage. And why I'm I'm here on me. My credibility as a pastor of this church depends on the conduct of my wife. I can preach eloquent sermons that can be appreciated world over, but it depends when all is said and done how she conducts herself. My wife can split this church in no time. If she wants to. But I know she won't. Because I chose right. Did you hear me? Today we are talking from heart to heart. A man should pray earnestly for he could ruin his entire life. In one message, marriage and divorce, Brother Brenham says, let that wife start running around with men and see what it does to the poor old fella 
it breaks him apart. So, as you project a persona of strength, be cognizant that it would never be like that unless your wife comes to the party. Remember, the vow is until death do we part. Until when? I, yesterday I went to officiate a marriage of not message believers. Yes, I do that from time to time. But I've got my own requirements that must be met before I do that. Firstly, the men must have never been married before. Hallelujah. Now, this, this is my former colleague from Coca-Cola. He used to be our group HR manager. He gave me a call and said, Hey, Madiba, I would want you to come and officiate my marriage. I said, Hey, God, feel my life. What do you mean? He says, No, I want... They found a pastor, but the way I've spent so much, I've got a very expensive venue, so I don't want cheap talk after I've spent so much. <laughs> then I say, we thank God that Malachi four students are don't bring cheap talk. Yeah. Then I said, no, I am coming. Now, I was quite amazed when they were exchanging vows. This is after they were renewing their vows. They had been together for 23 years. As far as I know, I've spoken to him about the Lord and church. He seemed to be interested, but he has not been a church person. But what I discovered, I asked myself, I said, 23 years later, as they were renewing their vows, it was just flooded. Tears were streaming down their cheeks. He's a tough man that I know him to be. I I mean, when you are a group HR manager, you know that you deal with the union. You handle the shop stewards. You are a tough man. But when I saw a tough man breaking down, chest streaming down his cheek, exchanging vows not to a new slave queen, but to a 23-year-old partner, 23-year-old relationship of that partner, him and the partner have been that, in that relationship. Now, I asked myself, I said, God, as I was driving back, I said, Lord, we have people in the message that come to church Wednesday, Sunday, but they have not been married more than five years, but they are at war zone. I said, Lord, these people, we preach to them weekly. Here is an unbeliever that does not go to church. 23 years later, he's still being reduced to tears because he loves his own wife. But yet he doesn't know you. Then God said to me, you don't understand, Madhu. If there is a godly principle and anyone will follow that principle, it does not matter whether they are in church or out of church. They will get the benefit of that principle. Did we get that one? Now, an unbeliever that believes in strong work ethic, that I must work hard to get somewhere in life, he will get somewhere in life. Because why? He's adhering to a principle. 
And a believer that is drowning in the stack of spoken word, that is lazy, that cannot work, will drown in poverty. Because why? He knows the principle, but there is none adherence to the principle. Isn't it true for friends? Unbelievers are aging together. Married many years back. Believers, five years into the marriage, with the pillar of fire, with the cloud, with the message. This message, you know, this message is so special. In the message, the gap, Brother Branham say, the seven angels lowered themselves to drop down the message. And you've got such message, but you get defeated. What a disgrace. I say, what a disgrace. We message people, our families must be the happiest families. Ah, you can say amen to that. I, I don't care whether you have normalized abnormality. Our houses must be a place of happiness. Our houses, it must be God's dwelling place. But here is a danger. I've observed that a lot of times we expect born again marriages that are done by people that are not born again that were just in church. Did you hear me? A born again, you can't expect the marriage to be a born again marriage that has got partners that are not born again. I don't care how long they've been in the message. Are you still with me? Remember, the vow is still, is until death do we apart. That is why in this church, after we have taught you and preached for you over a number of years, then you decide to leave your wife and get another one. Don't bring them here. We will recognize the one that was introduced for the rest of your life. Unless you produce death certificate. And you must not be responsible for that death. It is until when? A man came into my office and said, Pastor, I'm back. He has been dilly-dallying between two women. He says, I'm back. I said, gee, last time I checked, you were dilly-dallying between two women. Who is the one that you are bringing? He said, I found the third one. She loves the spoken word. I said, she must love that spoken word far from our church. Why? If we bring a man that was with us, left the wife and bring another one, he's going to destroy the minds of our young people. They will think that you can do it and they will... Folks, that's an unacceptable. That is unacceptable. The wife that you have introduced to this church is the only one that will know for the rest of your life. I know somebody say but. I'm not interested in but. Remember, the vow 
is until death do we apart. Let's get into this vow a bit. Numbers 30. Numbers 30 verse 1. Know the truth and the truth shall. Numbers 30 verse 1. Read with me, with me. And Moses spake unto the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel. And Moses spake unto the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel. Saying, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bound, a bond. He shall not break his weight. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. If a woman also vow a vow unto the Lord, And bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house in her youth, and her father hear her vow, and her bond wherewith she has bound her soul, and her father shall hold his peace at her. Then all her vows shall stand. And every bond wherewith she has bound her soul shall stand. But if her father disallow her in the day that he heareth, not any of her vows, or of her bonds wherewith she has bound her soul shall stand. And the Lord shall forgive her because her father disallowed her. When a man makes a vow, a father, it, the Bible doesn't speak about his father. That is why when a man and woman gets married, when you go and check in the message, Brother Bram will say, who will I ask this woman to be a husband or to be a wife to this man? At no point in time, I know we are doing it, but at no point in time did Brother Bram ask and say, who will I ask this man to be a husband to this woman? A man does not seek a permission, but a woman must seek a permission. Because a man, the reason you don't seek a permission, remember, uh, and you can't have when you leave church now and go to your father and say, I don't need your permission. If he still buys you bread, you're not a man. You're a child. And children cannot get married. Only men can get married. The scripture says, for he shall leave his father and mother 
and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. If they are still raising you, just allow them to raise you until the right time when you come out of age. Then you can make your own decisions. It is, parents, it is abomination for parents to go and marry wives on behalf of their sons. It is a strange, it is foreign, it is not acceptable. A man must be the one that starts the process. And for him to start the process, he must be spiritually fit. And he must be able to provide physically. And he must have a place to take her to. Then he qualifies to get married. If those are not ticked, I don't care how many dreams you have. Just keep on enjoying a dream. Remember, the vow and sons-in-law that are being taken, taken care by the in-laws. It's strange. I don't know. I don't know. Bram Benjamin, you can help me, buddy, buddy. I don't, I don't know. Why would a, a son-in-law loan money from the mother-in-law? You are telling that woman that I'm betting to take care of your, ch- your child. A man that has got a sense of dignity doesn't do that. Oh, I just rattled the nest. Remember, the vow is until death do we apart. And he could ruin his life by making the wrong choice. But if he knows what, he is making the wrong choice and is marrying a woman that is in fit to be his wife, and he does it anyhow, then it's his fault. Don't blame anyone. It's your own fault. If the woman takes a husband and knows that he is not fit to be a husband to you, then that's your own fault. After you know what's right or wrong, You shouldn't do it until you thoroughly prayed through. Verse 52, or paragraph 52. The same applies by choosing a church. Now, you must pray over the church you are fellowshipping in. I believe that you are not just coming here, you are praying for this church. And remember, there are so many demons that are just at bay, that want to take over the church. Satan has never been happy that a church can march in the move of God uninterrupted. Whenever we try by all means to say, we want to maintain the standard, we make the enemy angry. That is why when you are in a church, it is your responsibility to pray for the ministry and advise the ministry and not criticize. Amen. Uh, are, you, are you still with me? Yeah. The same applies by choosing a church. Now, you must pray over the church that you are fellowshipping in. Remember, churches carry 
a spirit. A lot of times, if the pastor is arrogant, the church becomes arrogant. If the pastor is timid, the church becomes timid. The prophet says it's not a good thing. He says that's a wrong thing. We must get the Holy Ghost instead of getting one another's spirit. If you have received my spirit as a pastor, how are you going to know when I'm wrong? Are you still with me? You've got to have the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost has to guide you and tell you it is right, it is wrong, it is right, it is wrong. Because the Holy Ghost will guide you in all the truth. And when you get into the church, is it led by the Holy Ghost? Or is it just man-made? Anybody living any kind of life, but still participate as if nothing has happened. Are you still with me? This church, we are prepared to be fewer. I say we are prepared to be fewer. If needs be. We will never compromise quality. I want to repeat that. We will never compromise quality. If we even have got to disown our children, we will do that. We will never lower the bar in any way. It's not easy. Sometimes you preach messages that really put relationships under strain. But as a pastor, you say, they can be offended now. But down the line, they will thank me that at least there was somebody that was on the course. Your children are growing. They must grow. They may look. I'd rather have the children growing, not knowing what the standard is or struggling to meet the standard, but they must know there is a standard. And they must go to God and say, God, grant us grace. Grant us grace so that we meet the standard that has been set before us. And that standard is the word of God. Message church is easy for, for it to be big in number. All you've got to do is to live certain things and just bring brother, speak it into existence. It doesn't matter how you live, speak it into existence. And people are full of vavavu and the church is full. Women dress in any way that they want. Men do run around with women. It will never happen in this church. It will never happen at all. Can we have an amen? Amen. And our young people in this church, they must know that how you dress, your standard is not Instagram. Instagram is of the devil. Oh, expect a better amen. It is of the devil. Yes, Facebook is of the devil. The standard of dressing for a godly sister, it is the word of God. It's not a sister in some church posting on Facebook and say, I look hot. Nothing. She can have a thousand likes and you dress like her. Deacons will be waiting for you and say, not in this church. Can our young people say amen? This one, I will say it until God takes me home. 
the standard of this church will never be any other church. Not Brother Ed Biscal's church, not Brother Tony Regan's church, not Brother Retief's church, not Brother Dioka's church. It is the weight. Did you hear me? It is the way. Why is it the way? Because if we make another church our standard, when it falls, we fall. But if we make the way to standard, it doesn't matter which churches fall. We remain with the standard. Yes, we can admire them. Yes, we can learn from them. But they are not our standard. The standard is the Malachi 4 standard. I've got pastoral friends that I love dearly. And that I will normally bring here so that they bless you. I'm a very appreciative person by nature. However, no matter how much I can appreciate the man, his way of thinking will never be my standard. The weight will be there. Don't ever say, he brought Pastor Swain, so that means he likes... No. I still need to check it by the weight. Churches carry a spirit. Let's carry on. Paragraph 54. But you go into a church, and if you will watch the behavior of that church, you just watch the pastor a while. You will usually find that the pastor acts like, the church acts like the pastor. Sometimes I wonder if we just don't get one another spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. That's why in some churches, if you can really corner somebody and say, why do you believe it the way it is? They get rattled and just say, but my pastor, your pastor is not God. You must be able to defend your conviction scripturally. Don't say my pastor. If, if whenever you are confronted with you standing for your convictions, you say, my pastor, that means your pastor has led him, you to himself, not to the weight. Sometimes I wonder if we don't just get one another spirit in the state of the Holy Spirit, you get to a place where a pastor is real radical and carrying on. You'll find out that the congregation is the same way. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll bring you to a church where I see the pastor stand, jack their heads back, back and forth. You watch the congregation. They do. They say, my brother, if we can just get the seat there at the back with the child, Amen. You watch the congregation. They do the same thing. You take a pastor. Just gulp down anything. There are just pastor. Uh, there's a pastor in Botswana. He was a, was a message pastor. A young man came from Congo and preached in his church and told the church that you people are baptizing wrong. People are baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is the wrong baptism. The right baptism, the scripture says you must be baptized unto the name of Jesus Christ. 
He really preached very hard. Then the pastor thereafter wanted to be rebaptized unto the name. Because he was baptized in the name. How do you have such a pastor? It's not deception, it's foolishness. You take a pastor that just gulp down anything. Folks, this one I'm going to pack right. In this church, before you come and give a testimony here, don't hijack the process and just give those brothers and say, I've got testimonies and they put it out. You must bring it in my office first. And you must tell me. And I must check whether is it edifying? Is it spiritual? Then after, I can authorize it to come here. Are we together? I will never accept a testimony that sounds like a horror movie for this church. It must be edifying. It must show that it was God who was involved, not your hallucinations. But for that, it must come into my office. I must hear you and hear you very well. Thereafter, will come and say, my brother has a testimony. My sister has a testimony. In another place I went, it caused a havoc because a person was giving a testimony and say, I went to the witch doctor and this is what happened. I said, how do you allow such? Amen. Some testimonies are just superstitions playing themselves out in the church. Amen. And don't be offended if I tell you that uh, this testimony, it will not be good for us. It's not against you. Amen. You watch now. So if I was choosing a church, I would choose a genuine, fundamental, full gospel Bible church. If I was choosing one to put my family in, because when you have put your family in a church, your family is going to be molded by what is happening in that church. Amen. So you've got to be very intentional and deliberate. If you put your girl child in a church where young girls are falling pregnant, it's a matter of time. Yours is going to come that way. Amen. Are you still with me? Paragraph 58, my brother. See, I still have other quotations from... This message is full of golden nuggets. Again, the kind of woman that a man would choose will reflect his ambitions and his character. Here, I have to say this, folks. And you parents... Put it down, let it be engraved in your mind. If your child worships here with us, and we preach the gospel the way we are preaching it, and he comes to you and say, I found Brother Brabiza. He wants to marry me. And they have agreed, and you as a parent agree for your child to be married to Brother Biza. Brabiza. Don't bring Brabiza to this church. 
Not as yet. Yes, you can testify to him. But Brother Biza must go and find a pastor to officiate the marriage. When I come as a pastor, I will come because you as a family have invited me. But I cannot preside over a marriage of a sister that... Uh, hear me out. Don't say, hey, it once happened. I'm teaching you so that it can be avoided. Because how, if I go and officiate a marriage between a believer and an unbeliever, how am I going to come back to the church and say, under no circumstances must a believer marry an unbeliever? So if, if you get married to somebody that is outside the message, find their pastor to help you officiate your marriage. We will visit you and try to testify to your partner, but we will never be part of the marriage until both of you have repented. Can I get an amen from parents? Don't wait and say, the pastor doesn't like us. I'm talking before it happens. So that you know in advance. So that when your child comes and say, I'm going to be married by so and so. And you say, do you want to get married? And you agree. And say, where do they worship? They worship at donkey church. Then the donkey church pastor must preside over that marriage. Then in the process of time, we'll send Brother Mpanyana, Brother what, Brother Philip, to testify to your family. Maybe they will come into the message. Is it clear, Brother what? I'm glad you came here as a deacon to sit in the front. Is it clear? <laughs> we can't preach this message and marry brothers to sex queens. No, say. The moment you desire a slave queen, you have fallen from grace. A son of God. I say, an eagle marries according to the altitude. How do you marry a chicken when you are an eagle? How can that happen? That means the eagle, the, eagle, the chicken will never be at the wrong place because it will never go there. It has to be the eagle falling from grace coming into the chicken vineyard. Then while you are in the chicken vineyard, you want to call me as a pastor eagle up there to join you in the chicken vineyard. I won't come. Find a chicken pastor there to finish the process. Yeah, pastor chicken must officiate the chicken marriage. Then an eagle pastor will officiate the eagle marriage. Then all of us as eagles, we must live there, the greater high, and descend into a chicken yard. Because one eagle was misbehaving. Eagle deacons presiding over, looking and being ushers in a chicken wedding. No, no. We must never lower the standards. We must never lower the standard. Oh, yes. Young men, there are enough sisters here in the message. Amen. Sisters, there are enough brothers here in the message. Amen. If a man chooses the wrong woman, it reflects his character. What he ties himself to shows truly what's in him. 
And what he ta- and a woman reflects what's in the man when he chooses her for a wife. It shows what's down in him. No matter what he says outside, watch what he marries. You can tell me about quotations. You can tell me about dreams. You can go deeper into the things of God, but we want to watch what are you going to marry. And what you marry is reveals who you are. No matter what you say, you are outside. Actually, oh, let me not go there. I have observed in life there are people that normally because of challenges they leave the message. When a person goes out into the world while he's still there gets married and later remembers that look but I'm a son of God then begins to phone and say I want to come back to church. And later he says, but I'm not coming alone. I've got a wife, I've got kids I'm coming with. I have observed, and I'm going to tell you my observation. When a brother is in that condition and he repents genuinely, he repents genuinely, his repentance wraps off to the wife. If the brother did not repent genuinely, he brings that woman into the church and he has not repented genuine. Watch the wife. She will begin to try to influence everybody else that this thing is like it's an oppression. Why does the why can they talk about dressing? Because a man, a woman reflects the man. If a man has repented genuinely, God is obligated that his repentance must filter through to the wife, to the children. Then it becomes a message. And when you look at them, you wonder that, is this brother, did he really ever leave the message? It's because the repentance was genuine. In the message, the influence of another the influence of another, it was on the 13th of October, 1962, as I'm going to work towards closing, there's just two quotations and a scripture, then I'm going to release you. Two scriptures, I'm going to release you. In the message, influence of another, paragraph 62, he says, Now we have left the unmarried, we are coming to the married. And so many today, you take a family of people that will start going to church. And God will heal the little family. He will bless them and give them the Holy Spirit in their life. The little children will pray around the table. They will pray before they go to bed. Mother and father will join hands and pray. And as long as they continue like that, they will stay a family. Did you hear the recipe of how to stay a family? If you have never, if you have never held your wife's hands in prayer for the last seven years, (laughs) 
What are you trying to do? What are you? What are you trying? What are you trying to achieve, yeah, brothers? It says holding hands together. Yes. Do you still believe the prophet here? Yes. Yeah. Well, sis, I'm not gonna. Sister, when was the last time your husband held you your hand and you heard him pray? And pray for you, pray for himself, pray for his job, pray for the family. When was the last time? These days, we pretend to be very busy. Oh, I'm going to say it. There is a, a difference between business and busy, business. Don't confuse the. I've got men that are here every Wednesday service here. There, there is a, an 80, Sister Maria, 81 this year. 81. Running a business, working from Monday to Saturday. But Wednesday night she's here. She runs a business. But she makes time that I must go God first. I must go to the. A, not, she's not for the 81. Yeah? But the young ones with energy, brother, we are busy. You are not. I'm in, biz, I'm in business. You are. You, brother. <laughs> Guys, God wants us to prosper. God wants us to prosper. But how we handle our prosperity, it can be our downfall. You, you, were, you were just a, 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 a maybe, a, a, I'll give you with business. Maybe you were at a tax shop and you are always available in the house of the Lord. Then God makes a tax shop a supermarket. Then you think because it has become a supermarket, God will understand that now you are running a supermarket. While a Muslim on Friday, while the, the customers are full. He tells them that it's time that I worship Allah. Allah made me to be a success. It's time I go to Allah. Go out with your money. You will wait for me when I come after lunch. But I am going to the mosque. Then you seem to have met the pillar of fire. Pastor will understand. Hmm? You were just a, a general worker. Then they make you a supervisor. They say, hey, I will never longer be available. Even on preaching, don't include us because we are um, very busy. <laughs> you are drowning. Amen. You are drowning. I'm not saying there will not be times where you are engaged. There will be times. There will be time. But over time has cost us many believers. Over time. I'm working over time. Then the devil works on you over time. In no time, you don't have time. We want you to prosper. 
Because when you prosper, you're able to give more towards the kingdom of God, the work of God goes forward. But it must never be at the expense of your soul. Do, do you hear this family? Godly healed the little family. And he blessed them and gave them the Holy Spirit in their life. The little family will pray around the table. They will pray before they go to bed. Mother and father will join hands and pray. As long as they continue like that, they will stay a family. But you let them get fasting. We are moving. The picture is changing. First thing you know, they didn't have nothing. An old janka, a jalupi. A car that will get overheated, it gets pushed. It has a problem of a starter. Maybe riding around or maybe walking. Do you see? Finally, they will get a good car. A better home. Good car is not a problem. Hear me out. Good home is not a problem. We need good cars. We need good homes. But you're going to see where the problem comes. And the first thing you know, then they get, finally they get a good car. A better home. And the first thing you know, then they will want to get to what they, the world calls, a better class to associate with. Do you know that some people, they worship in certain churches because they are poor? As soon as they become richer, they say, this church is not for us. It's not according to our class. They move into a different neighborhood. Neighborhood is not a problem. You are most welcome to move into a good neighborhood. They move into a different neighborhood, and in there, they find out that they become influenced by the wrong influence. You must always stay where the kingdom of God is, where the glory of God is pouring out. Stay where you can be spiritually fed day and night. Then the first thing you know, separation comes in the family and worldliness, and they get lifted up. But you see, I'm not saying getting a good car is a problem. I'm not saying be better home is a problem. I'm not saying better neighborhood is a problem. But it's your attitude when you have those things. Have you ever seen the, a relative that you all were poor as relative and God makes one to be success and he regards all of you as poor cousins. One goes, we expect that, oh, this one, because he has been helped, the family, especially an African family, they will do crowdfunding, funding, send it to university, complete that university, and they expect that he, he, he would take care of others the way he has been taken care of. Once he gets there, he forgets about everybody. He kicks off the ladder that he used to climb up. No sense of appreciation, no gratitude. 
Amen. Let's read this scripture, then I'm going to release you. So first Peter chapter three verse seven. First Peter, third chapter, the seventh verse. Do you mind to read with me likewise? likewise. Ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife. She's not a doormat. She's a daughter of God. You've got to honor her. As unto the weaker vessel. You don't just talk with your wife like you are talking to some boys in the streets. You've got to be measured. Are you still with me? Yes. And as being heirs together of the grace of life. That your prayers be not hindered. When you mistreat your wife. And after you come before God, you want to speak to God. God will just look at you and say, not me. Your prayers will never be answered. How you treat your wife determines whether your prayers will be answered or not. Can I get an amen? And sisters, for some reason, I don't know why, God has got soft spot for women. I don't say God doesn't hear your prayers, brothers. But the prayer of women. Brother Brown never said, when a man dies, his prayer can go on and on after the grave. But he says, the mothers. He never said, brothers, you can do more on your knees than what a minister can do on the platform. He says, sister. He speaks about a certain drunk man that later uh, reconsidered his ways. Brother Bram comes, he says, because that man, there was a mother who departed in glory, but her prayer went after a, drunk, a drunkard. So, if we acknowledge that God has got soft spot for women, if we mistreat them, he says, I will not hear you. I don't say worship your wife. I say treat her very well as a daughter of God. Sisters, this is now your scripture. Proverbs 19, verse 13. Proverbs 19, verse 13. Okay, let's read it. A foolish son is the calamity of his father. And the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. Bring it with amplified. 
A self-confident and foolish son is the multiplied calamity of his father. The Bible says a fool can be so self-confident. <laughs> and the contentions of a wife are like a continual dripping of water through a chink in the roof. Contentions. <laughs> Have you, can we stay in a house that is leaking? Can you be really settled? The contentions of a wife are like that. What does it mean? I think brothers in their hearts say, finally the pastor found a scripture for nagging. <laughs> there is a difference. Let me explain nagging before I, I get to last quotation that I release you. A lot of times, bro, what, what we think is nagging is not nagging. Mm. A brother, you'll bear with me, we've got many brothers that are electrically blind here, no reflection on you. I'm just giving an example. You find that a brother is an electrician. And being an electrician, the wife tells him that this globe is gone. Can you replace it? No, uh, I'll do it. Day when goes by, a week goes by. But the same brother, who's the electrician, he fixes a house down the street and comes back to his, but the globe is still bent. Then the initial request, because it's not being acted upon, the more it comes, then he says, he, he, she's nagging me. If you do it the first time around, we are not going to talk about the glue. But if you have not done it, we're going to talk about the glue. And in the extreme measures, one day when you come home, the glue is exchanged. Then you say, who changed the glue? Then the pastor gets involved unnecessarily. Do you get what I mean? Amen. But however, there is nagging. What brings nagging in the true sense of the word, it's a competitive spirit. There are some women, if they visit a certain family and they've got a new red carpet, the poor husband is not going to sleep. He is going to be told about the red carpet. He is going to be dragged to the shop to get red carpet. Despite whether the man can afford it or not afford it. Sister, never ever make any family the measure of your standard for your family. Everyone in life has got their own pace. If they make it, praise be to God. Your time is coming. Another point of time, if it is God's time, it's not going to be a burden on you. Are you still with me? Never, ever compare yourself. Never, never. If somebody makes it, it's their own. God bless them. We've got our own. God is working on us at our own pace. Most brothers have gone into debts 
because they wanted to counteract what other families were doing because the wife demanded it. Did you see they bought a new car? We've got to buy a new car. Come on. Don't be myopic. Don't be short-sighted. Wait upon the Lord. Everyone has got their own pace. Do you allow me to read one quotation, then I release you. I want to read a quotation of a very poor man, but yet a rich man. It says, let's take also, home life is uncertain. I tell you, I don't know what's happened to the moral fiber of our women. Divorce is on the move. It's just terrible. You see where the divorce courts are crowded. Where girls and boys will marry and live together. And have two or three kiddies. Or something like, something another like that. And they will separate. And get out and marry another. And marry another and marry another, and marry another, and marry another, and they are whole. The prophet is telling you, when you leave your first wife, you have demonstrated that you can leave a woman. Even the second one, you're going to leave her. I was in a poor, real poor home the other night. The man said, I tell you, I just don't know said, I just don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. Take it up. I looked around. He worked. He had a little old wife there. Just true blue as could be. Four or five little old dirty face kids around on the floor. I said, boy, you are a millionaire. <laughs> The guy doesn't know when the next meal is going to come from. The prophet declares him that you are a millionaire. He says, oh, well, well, brother Branham, I won't dispute your weight because, I mean, he's a prophet. I won't dispute your weight. He said, where are we, brother? <laughs> I won't dispute your weight. He said, brother, I ain't got a dime. I said, take it up. I said, but you, you've got something that money can buy. I said, you've got a little old wife here that probably hasn't got two dresses to her name. And if she did, it's some, it's some somebody gave her. Because the man just has a day's work now and then. I said, look here. But she's just as loyal as loyal can be. I said, there is, I said, there is a many, brother, I said, there is a many of multi-millionaire tonight would give every penny he had to come home to a wife like that. Right? I said, his wife is out with a bunch of men somewhere on a bar room, somewhere cussing, singing, smoking, night riding around and things like that. 
the millionaire married to a slave queen. And yet he loves her. But look what you've got. All of his life wrapped in that woman. Look the way she's doing. Vice versa. Woman to woman. There is no difference. It's come time where all everything is just one conglomeration of sin. Little woman at home trying to take care of her kids. And her husband out somewhere drunk, carrying on, run with other women. What would she give if she had millions of dollars to see that husband really become a man? Stop. There are some men in this church. That multi-millionaire woman would give their millions to have such a man. Because of the junk that they have got to deal with out there. There's only one way for it ever be. Jesus Christ is the answer. Well, I expected you to say amen to that. There is no, nothing can ever do any good. It's at the end time. It's Christ and him alone. And then I said, how many little fathers that's walking around today with millions of dollars, would give everything they had if that little spectacular child that is God was just as healthy as yours is here tonight. See, he began to look at me. I said, look, you said you, you, said you had some bologna and beans and a loaf of bread that you brought your money this afternoon and got some bread and beans for your children tonight. I said, every one of them with good stomachs and could eat. And you did too. Amen. What did John Rockefeller say? He would give a cold million dollars if he could eat one mess of cabbage. I said, you said you sat by the window this morning, the cold wind blowing in. Him sitting in a palace somewhere. But yet, if you had to sit there and eat a mess of garbage, but that cold wind blowing in, stuff a piece of paper in it, I said, John D. Rockefeller would give a million dollars to eat one time like you can eat any time. How many blind men with a cane in his hand, pecking along the street, give every penny he had for your eyes? See, you can't evaluate the things that are really rich with the things that we call rich. Hallelujah. Ah, this one. You can go and tweet it. <laughs> Bring it down. You can't evaluate the things that are really rich with the things that we call rich. Some of you are rich. But bank balances are empty. Yes. You've got eyes that blind men would desire. Yeah. You are able to speak where dumb men would want to have your voice. Yes. You've got a wife that is loyal to you that multi-millionaires wish they could have such a wife. You have a husband. He may not be the best that can be, but yet he, he's, a young, he's a husband that knows that when knock of time comes, he knows his way home. Yes. Some, they cannot even find a home with the GPS. 
God bless you richly. As we stand to our feet, how many people in the building are thankful for certain things that they never thought made them richer, but today they realize, boy, I'm rich. You cannot put value to what I have. We thank God for our families. We thank God for our wives. We thank God for our husbands. And if you are a husband and you are not in your position, stop misrepresenting us. Reconsider your ways and man up and be the kind of man that this gospel can be pointed at and say, this is an example of men that this gospel produces. And if you are a wife that is not in her position, find your position. If you are a child, you are not in your position, find your position so that you become a kind of a child that parents would look at and say, and even other parents would look and say, he's different. His behavior is different. What is the recipe? He's a worshiper. She's a worshiper. Let's just sing. I'm praising the upward way. New grounds. that desire.
Suma here. How many say, Lord, that's my desire? A higher ground because I'm an eagle. I don't want to live where fears and doubts abound. Others may prefer to be there, but that's not my desire. I need to go into those greater highs. Amen. Let's just say, I love him, or Mr. Departy, let's say, in the cross. In the cross, we are going to wrap up in prayer. Brother Philip, Andre, if you can just come and lead us in prayer. Amen.
Go with us further, Lord, and help our brother, Lord, who has, Lord, has been sitting around the word, Lord, and you've spoken to him, Lord. Lord, there is something, Lord, things come over this pulpit, not, not just come over for, for no purpose at all, Lord, but there was a reason, our Lord God, not only naturally, Lord, but spiritually, Lord. Yes. Let us, Lord, buckle down, and Lord, let us be, do things that are in your, in your sight that are right, Lord. Go with us now, Lord, and may you be with us, each one of us, further, Lord, and let thy will be done. We ask in Jesus' name. Let's just say the love of God, how true and pure and how measureless. How many believe the love of God is immeasurable? Amen. Amen. love of God. Ah! 
all over the belly, the love of God. How measureless and strong. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. The love of God. How rich and pure and how measureless. This love reached us when we were unreachable. You thank God for the love of God. It reaches to the highest. And thereafter, you are dismissed. Have a blessed week. Just turn around and say to your neighbor, I wish you a victorious week. How good is it to see when the brethren dwell together? A family of God. Amen. Thank you, Father. It will never lose its power. Thank you, Father. Building. How many agree it will never lose its power? Thank you, Lord Jesus. One more time, all over the building. 
God bless you. God bless you.